Well, I think the big one is confidence. I think you leave with this lovely box of tricks, all the knowledge uh, or a lot of knowledge, and then you're out in the big wide world. I doubted myself. Uh, you go through wobbles. As soon as you start getting those results, it gives you that confidence. You know you're doing the right thing. You're pleasing people, people coming back to you time and time again. And they're saying that their lives have changed and it's because of you and it's lovely and it just builds and builds and builds. Welcome to Acupuncture West London, the podcast. This is the podcast for students, practitioners, and enthusiasts of classical Chinese philosophy, Chinese medicine, and acupuncture. I'm your host, Ben Carrigan, coming to your ears all the way from London. So join me as we dive deep down the rabbit hole of Chinese philosophy and into the very concepts that inform our practice. Each episode focusing on a specific topic and its application within a clinical setting. This episode is brought to you courtesy of our brand new ebook, Yin and Yang. What are Yin and Yang? What are the laws of Yin and Yang? And how are they used as defining principles for our very existence? To answer these questions and more, download your free copy at acupuncture-westlondon.com forward slash free ebook. Welcome to episode seven. So today we're continuing with part two of my conversation with Vicky Newman of Cherry Tree Acupuncture. As part of our A Year in Business series, Vicky is talking us through a year in business and setting up her own practice within an established clinic. If you haven't checked out part one yet, go back and check out episode six. There's lots of great stuff in there. Okay, let's get stuck into part two. I hope you enjoy. There are things that I've done myself where I've signed up to various directories. So it sounds a little silly, I suppose, but I think I appear on things like the Liverpool Echo and all sorts because that just builds up my SEO on a national level yes. so that I'm a little bit more searchable. But it, it's not like anyone in the Liverpool area is going to be looking for me <laughs> as such, but it just builds my uh, my brand a bit. They're going to be traveling quite far for their acupuncture treatment each week. Well, yeah. they're always welcome. Yeah. Do you know? <laughs> That's come all I'll on say. down. <laughs> yeah, come on down. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. No, I've never done anything like that. Um, I think the emphasis was just to have a pretty website <laughs> rather than a functioning yeah. SEO one. Um, I think, yeah, as I say, things might change. Things might, uh, I might go in and learn a little bit more, maybe do it myself in the future mm. and then build it slowly another way. But I think I'm the sort of person that really goes on word of mouth. Um, I don't tend to go and see a company even by Googling it, I like to hear, I like to ask around, see what people think about people. And I think that's so much more important. Um, yeah. uh, so I, I'm lucky enough in the area that I live, it's, it's very community based um, and it's quite intimate. So uh, I get quite a few referrals from friends of friends and yeah, but yeah, in, in London, it's going to be very different, very different market completely. So it is. And I have to say, it's not something I've mastered because my website, I've concentrated quite a lot on my shop window, mm. I suppose I call it. And, you know, my wife and some of my friends have said to me, you know, you've made your website look more like a sort of an industry or like an empire a little bit. Mm. And sometimes they say it lacks a little bit of, um, you know, a personal touch. I get you. Yep. Which looking yep. at it, I kind of go, yeah, that's totally fair enough. Because I think as a person, I think I'm quite warm and personable uh, once you meet me. <laughs> 
but yeah, well, thank you very much. Oh, so approachable. Uh, <laughs> well, you get free treatments anytime, Vicky. <laughs> I'm coming. Yeah. yeah, so um, it's that thing, you know, where because I'm so metal yang, I think, on my yeah. interior, I'm very... You know, we all know that about yes, me. Yes, we um, do. Hence this podcast and, you know, welcome. Um, so, yeah, so it's that thing, isn't it, where I think sometimes I'm so focused on getting the sentence structure right and whatnot that I can lose that. So it's important to be authentic. Yes, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, we kind of discussed earlier third-party solutions like um, online resources for managing your clinic or your diary. Mm. Personally, I use Clinico, mm. but there's other ones like Timely and other things. So, that's not something you considered doing from the start. No, um, I'm glad I didn't. <clears throat> yeah, I'm glad I didn't do that um, because it felt, again, more organic at home to do it myself. Um, I didn't want any massive costs to begin with as well. I've kept my costs quite low. Um, I think that's also the advertising thing. I was a bit scared to spend money, to be fair, because I wanted to see some money coming in before I started spending massively. But there's that balance again, isn't there? Getting your name out, spending that initial cost. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe it will come. Maybe when I get busier. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I, I can manage the clientele that I've got at the moment quite well. I can keep up to date with everything. But yeah, in the in the future, maybe if my clients go over a hundred, then I need to step up some sort of organisation and and move it online and look at different software. Mm. No, I mean the only reason I did mm. it because I think. Clinico, which I use, it's very functional. I think it's about £29 a month, yeah. which seems like a lot. But I just thought at one point, what's my time worth from my own perspective? And I thought in terms of doing accounts, which I always do literally about three days before my <laughs> tax return is due, which is just so stressful, yeah. I just thought it would be helpful in that respect. Yeah. And before I had Clinico, I had, a, um, I had a system where I was, you know, I'd make an appointment and I'd drag it into my diary, but then I'd have to drag it into another diary in order for it to be on my phone and, yeah. and then I'd have to email the clinic and it was such a huge amount of room for error yeah. for me potentially not turning up for a patient or oh, dropping the ball yeah I just decided I'd have something where people could book online yeah. and I'd get emails and it would go straight into my diary and it made my life so much easier yeah I definitely think the time will come definitely that we need to look at things like mm. that especially as the clinic is growing quite mass uh, quite exponentially as well. We've got therapists there, we've got hypnotherapists, we've got masseuse, uh we do people who do the journey and uh, spirituality and and it's it's growing and we're all getting very much a lot of a lot busier. Um and yes, I think we need a structure in place in the future, but obviously COVID's taken a, a little pause in all that. So we might just need to check when we need to do that sort of thing. Yeah. Cause it brings me to the next topic mm. of GDPR compliance. Yeah. I spoke to Rachel briefly about this yesterday yeah. as well. And it's not something I feel maybe we should get into because it's something I think people should look into for themselves yeah. just so that they don't misinterpret it or I don't say the wrong thing. Cause it's such a, a minefield mm. really. Um, but yeah, that was one of the reasons I used my clinic management software yeah. just because I knew it was GDPR compliant. Yes. And it, it would save me sort of a lot of work on that yeah, side. Yeah, brilliant. Because um, it's such a minefield, but it's something we all have to be very careful with and even having banners on our websites now and everything. Yes, yeah. Mm. I think I keep everything quite simple. Um, but yes, GDPR was something that you've got to get your head around. Again, starting up in a clinic, there was a procedure there was an email, there was, you know, all this client information and consent forms and things that we had to talk about. That's all a huge advantage of working within a clinic, yes. though, 
Absolutely. Yeah. It takes the stress out of starting your own business completely. Um, yeah. It's like a big hug or a, or a handheld just at the beginning, which is when you need it, um, just to guide you and say, you're going to need this, this and this, um, check, 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 and then you can get going. Um, yeah. And Dave's been brilliant with that. So, yeah. Great. Yeah. And so in terms of tax returns and accounting, mm. our favorite topic. <laughs> um, yeah, as I said, the clinic management software I put in place is supposed to minimize my time having to do okay. that. That sounds very Well, I'm good. hoping I haven't got there yet. <laughs> so I'll let you know how that yeah. goes next January or whenever it is. But is there anything that you have in place or are you still kind of working with big spreadsheets and whatnot? So yes, I have a spreadsheet on my computer at home. I keep an eye on um, everything that I'm spending I keep receipts in a file and I keep a tally of who obviously all my patients and how much they pay and how they pay. Um, I haven't done a tax return yet, so I can't really talk about it too much. I've been reassured that uh, they are quite straightforward. They are quite simple to do. Um, but I know that if I get into trouble, I'm the sort of person to pick up a phone and say, let's just get a tax man involved. Let's get an accountant to sort me out. I, I worry that I have two jobs that maybe that would interfere and maybe complicate things. Um, but I think the first year, let's give it a go, see what happens. And if I get into, I know the person in the tax office is very friendly as well. And you can phone them up and ask them advice as it's your first time. So hopefully I'll be able to do it myself. But yeah, yeah I'll get an accountant if, in case. I have a similar situation. Obviously, being from Ireland, I have an Irish income that comes in and then a UK income. So it's that double taxation yeah. agreement thing, yeah. which can be complicated. So just for that reason, because it makes me sweat even saying those words, yeah. um, <laughs> I just get someone else to do it because I don't get those moments back in my life, you know. It, it really is, isn't it? It does make you sweat. <laughs> no. Yeah, it does. Time yeah. is precious, Ben. Time yeah. is precious. Yeah. Time is yeah. precious. Work smarter, not harder. Isn't and that right? that's the thing. Yeah. But when you start up, you have so many things to think about. So just keep it mm. simple. Ask for help where you can afford it. Get the help. Um, and just take that stress out of your life. If you're not good at something, Absolutely. ask for help. Yeah. I always, I always go with that philosophy. Yeah. So have you encountered any pitfalls or difficulties within your first year of practice that you could share with other practitioners oh. or people who are starting out? Okay. Well, I think the big one is confidence. I think yes. you leave with this lovely box of tricks, uh, all the knowledge uh, or a lot of knowledge, and then you're out in the big wide world. Even though I have Dave, I'm still on my own in that in that room with that patient. And I doubted myself. Uh, you go through wobbles, um, but it's keeping the confidence there. It, you know it. You just, you know, you are on your own. Uh, you haven't got your teacher to ask, but you've always got friends, especially the ones that we we built great friendships in ICOM. We're a great unit. We, we support each other in our businesses all over the place, all over East or Sussex and London. And, um, we do, yeah. So it's great to have that um we do our, what, what, what do we call them? Martini Mondays. That's what we had. We had our, Martini our get togethers of chats that, yeah. And I know no one, no one's going to want to come to our clinics on Mondays <laughs> if they hear this though, are they? Or, or evenings, Tuesday mornings evenings, for that matter. Definitely <laughs> but it's a great platform to talk through all your woes and your worries about your doubts of where you're going with this patient. And, um, but it is there, we have the knowledge. We just have to stay stable and confident and believe in ourselves. And, 
as soon as you start getting those results, it gives you that confidence. You know you're doing the right thing. Mm. You're pleasing people, people coming back to you time and time again. And they're saying that their lives have changed and it's because of you. And it's lovely. And it just builds and builds and builds. I know. I still get that feeling sometimes where I go into clinic in the morning, particularly if there's been a break. I'm sure I'll have it now oh, next week God, when I go back yeah. after the COVID-19 oh. thing. But I go in kind of going, this is all a bit mad science. <laughs> and then you do something. And I'm always prepared for that slightly, how much of this is placebo and how much mm. of this actually works. Mm. But it just, it does. It just blows my yeah. mind. And by the end of two, three treatments, you know, I'll be going, no, this is way beyond placebo. I can't explain how it works. I know the classical language of describing heaven, earth, man, yeah. or heaven, man, earth, or yin and yang. Mm. And it's just a classical language or a framework mm. that explains in almost like a different language. What, well, it is a different language that's been translated numerous times of what we're doing. Mm. But, um, but it just works and does, yeah. I'll never know really how it does, but I just find that so exciting. But it's so, magical, isn't it? It's really magical it because yeah, no one can actually specifically say what happens, how it happens, but I yeah, know. It, yeah. It's amazing. It's, like the amount of times I've used liver three and made people cry <laughs> is, um, I can't even tell you. And it's, and it's not like you're even saying mm, really what you're doing, mm, but you just feel the liver pulse and it's full and you can tell that it's coming from a stress or some sort of an emotional thing mm -hmm. with being the seed of the emotions as we know yeah. and then suddenly you need a liver three and you just see the tears start running out and you go wow and it's that release yeah yeah it is yeah. and you don't want to make all your patients cry but i'm just saying it's, but it's, it's not kind great of amazing no no it's no. definitely not great for the next person coming in to see all your patients crying when they leave <laughs> yeah yeah but every second patient's <laughs> fine i think you know <laughs> but yeah it yeah it does this wonderful thing and my husband was the biggest skeptic in the world when i started learning about acupuncture he said he'll support me i could be his guinea pig but at the end of the day don't don't ever think i'm gonna believe this mumbo jumbo and Nowadays, mm. he asks me for treatments and he, really? yeah, he's been so supportive and he doesn't, he, he kind of thinks it's all magical and, but he just gets the effects and he loves them. So it's amazing, isn't it? I love that about it. And it's always the real skeptics and me being one of them mm. back in the day yeah. that get turned over into acupuncture and yeah. go, wow, this is total mad science, but I love it. Acupuncture is great for, and I think a lot of people just go for the musculoskeletal, um, and obviously disease symptom control, but I, and blown away by the emotional stability that acupuncture can provide. Um, mm. By balancing the body, you balance the mind and you start feeling stronger in the mind. And I do believe that if you're stronger in the mind, your body then can ease pains and fix itself. So I think it's, there's a Absolutely. lot of psych behind it all. So that's where I've been really blown away with in the first year. Mm. And people coming in with hip pain or shoulder pain, and then talking about some sort of a loss or something. And you can always trace it back, mm. uh, you know, this musculoskeletal stuff to um, often, not always, obviously, but often you can trace it back to some sort of a trauma, trauma or something. Absolutely, yeah. You know, they're holding something in a certain way or yeah. whether it's a work thing or a relationship or whatever. I mean, obviously, you have to be very careful how you phrase these things or whether you actually put them into words for the patient because you know, some people are more receptive to it than others. Yeah. And maybe it's not the right time to say it. There's all these considerations, Completely, but it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, I think the point you've made about confidence is the point Rachel made yesterday as mm. well. And it's probably my biggest lesson as well, that we know more in our first year than we think we do. And we have those dips, particularly if we're working on our own, Yeah. Uh, where you doubt yourself or you don't know what to do, or you have a patient that doesn't go right. Um, and that can be really, really difficult. Yeah. And so having that support is great, but you just need to back yourself and 
just have faith that things will come in time. Yes. Um, and that's the most important thing. And you can't fix most people in one treatment. I think the biggest lesson I had in my first year was I had a lot of patients. I, somehow, I don't know how I did it, but I built up very quickly before last Christmas. And then in January, I suddenly had a total drop off and I couldn't work out why. So I sat down with Adrian and he was saying, what happened? I didn't really want to hear that from him going, what happened to your clinic? Yeah. Kind of thing. <laughs> but I suddenly worked out that I had a little bit of a dip of confidence. Mm. And instead of taking control of patients, because uh, it's not my natural thing to take control, I want to see how people feel and whatnot. Mm. But I hadn't been direct enough with them about their own treatments. Yes. And you have to remember sometimes that they're coming to you because they want you to take control. Yep. They want you to be confident and say, look, I need to see you again in a week, yeah. not see how you mm, feel. Yeah. Because often I realize people feel apologetic if they come back to you too soon. I've had people say to me, oh, I didn't want to come back because I thought I was a bit much or I'd seen you last week yeah. and I felt like a hypochondriac or whatever. Mm. So I think in those situations, it's important to take control and go, look, I want to see you in two weeks because the pulse still doesn't feel right yeah. or whatever, or yeah. the spleen is a bit weak. So let's see you in a week and then we'll review after the next two treatments or whatever. Mm. And you just need to back yourself. You do. Yeah. I think that's the most important lesson I learned. Yeah. And once I started to back myself and take a little bit more control, the result was huge and I had people back in again. Yes. And it wasn't that I was upselling people or kind of getting them back in without a reason, because I'm very conscious of doing that and not upselling people because it's their health, not about the money or about the yeah. business. Yeah. I, I completely, I know exactly where you're coming from. I think I was always quite skeptical when I tried something new and I got told that eight to 10 treatments, you're going to need that, about that. And I kind of thought, oh, no, that's just, I don't want to hear that. Um, I can understand it's a process that I have to go through, but I just felt almost ripped off by some people. I just thought that they were just lining me up for so many. And again, that's been really hard to get over. Um, mm. But as we know, acupuncture helps and it's a progression and you just keep building. Um, but asking people back, I find it the other way. I found it more uncomfortable if I hadn't helped them within three or four sessions and they were saying, yeah. you know, and I'd say, no, keep going, keep going. And then by session four or five, they've had their epiphany and their pain's gone. And, you know, I'm so glad we stuck through it. So, yeah, but um, obviously sometimes that first treatment helps so much that they, they, uh, they kind of think, oh, I'm fixed and I'm solved. But then, yeah, a few weeks down the line that I get another phone call. So yeah, it, it goes both ways, doesn't it? Yeah. It does. Mm. I mean, I've had those patients who, you know, I had one woman who came in maybe about six months ago and she couldn't walk because her back pain was so bad. Mm. And I did, I, I did the um, a bladder divergent treatment and, uh, you know, with do 20 in the top for the TMMs yeah. and, and it worked wonders. And I, I think I only did two needles in the back and the rest were like bladder 60 on the outside of the ankle. And I think I did bladder 54 yeah. or bladder 40 for some people, obviously bladder 54 yeah. is our icon way yeah. of saying bladder 40. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, always just have to, to be complicate careful things um, more yeah <laughs> just to complicate things we love we love complicating well things, it's Chinese we? medicine at the end of the day it's never going to be clear <laughs> exactly but I remember leaving the room mm. and this um this woman was like pale you know when I left yeah. and she was there with her, her partner and I came back into the room about 15 minutes later to just see how she was doing and I thought I'd walked into the wrong room for a minute mm. because she was just totally different energy yeah. totally relaxed and uh, it all came down to, I think she'd lost her mother and it was grief related and it was just exhaustion, you know, total yin deficiency manifesting on the bladder channel. Yeah. Um, that was my take on it anyway. Yeah. But the, I mean, it doesn't matter what my take was at the end of the day because the treatment worked. Yes. And she literally walked out of there like nothing was wrong with her. And I was just going, this is, wow, how, how, at the time I was going, how on earth did I do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, 
but it was great, you know, and then I've had other people who've come in with hip pain and haven't been able to shift it in four or five treatments Mm. and, um, which, you know, then you get stressed because you feel, am I helping this person? The clock's ticking, you know, because people will give you maybe two or three chances and after that they'll go somewhere else, you know, or, or at least sometimes they don't, they'll come back to you for other things. Like they, they feel it helps them with their stress or whatever. Yeah. But there's always that pressure. You feel like you want to do your best oh, for that, everyone. Oh, that can only take a confidence knock. Um, of course. And especially yeah, when yeah. you start, it's it's a new thing to be kind of told, oh, it, things aren't working. Um, and that knocks your confidence. And then you might overcomplicate the treatment, I feel. But yes, Dave always gives me that analogy of kiss. So keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> and it helps oh, ground right. me and take things back to basics. And normally that just puts us back on the right path. Um, do you say that out loud in the, in the clinic? No, to I don't. Yourself, that kiss, would give, kiss. that would be, that would be slightly unethical to start saying kiss, kiss, kiss in front of patients. I think they'd get the yeah. total wrong idea what sort of therapy I practice. Um, but yeah, I think just to keep it simple, keep, keep going back to the basics. As you say, just so keep important. it simple. Don't get overexcited. Don't get overcomplicated. Um, yeah. Find out what's missing, yeah. what's deficient, what's excess, get rid of the excess, build the deficiency, and the people will feel better. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I love it when people say, oh, I've got I've got Dupian's contracture. Will acupuncture help? Or I've got um, IBS. Will acupuncture help? And it's the same answer I give everyone. I say acupuncture balances the body's energies, so it's going to help with everything. Um, we can concentrate on certain areas of your body to bring extra chi and health to it, but we need to balance the body to get the body working better and then the pain will go and then the symptoms will ease. So, um, absolutely. I was just going to say, I had a, a couple of Parkinson's patients at the very beginning. Um, I really enjoyed treating them because we did get some of the symptoms under control, but we, I t- kind of took it that I had to keep I keep, kept saying to myself, I'm not going to cure these people. I'm not going to take the Parkinson's away from them. I'm just here to make their symptoms better. Um, I learned a few lessons back then, just to be honest and clear with my treatment. Um, I want to make you feel better, but I cannot solve this. I cannot cure it. Um, I think that was a bit of a struggle to start with. Um, I feel a bit better with with other patients with, you know... <sighs> long-term conditions that I'm never going to solve, um, but I can definitely yeah. make their lives a little bit more comfortable. So that's Absolutely, that's kind yeah. of where I learned at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important too, because there's only so much we can do. Mm. Um, and yeah, obviously you want to kind of say to people, like I was saying earlier, like I can help you, yeah. but then it's what that means to people. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. So that, that's, that's very important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So just a couple more questions for you before we wrap up. Mm. Have you thought about specializing in any particular area of Chinese medicine or acupuncture? Yes, I have. I, you know, I have an interest in fertility. Having been through issues with my own fertility, I would love to help other women in the same boat. Um, I seem to want to look into mental health patients um, in a clinical setting. Um, I find an interest there. I also love Dave's Toyohari uh, Japanese acupuncture style. Um, there's so many things I want to do, but if I could give any advice to anyone out there starting up for themselves, I'd say, take it steady, learn your basics, keep it really uh, grounded, make sure you're a good practitioner before specializing. Um, This will come in my career. I will get there eventually. Um, I haven't done too many CPD events 
over the last year. Um, I, I've done Moxa. I've really enjoyed my Moxa day. Um, I think I want to build on the knowledge I have without pushing myself and learning new skills. I want to really build on everything that I know and make it better before learning different other things. I think that's great yeah, advice. Yeah. Because I remember graduating and trying to think, oh, I'm going to book onto this oh, and I'm going to book onto that. And so I want exciting. To, I want to do the uh, applied channel theory stuff yes. with um, Jason Robertson and all that stuff. And yeah. I will at some point. But, you know, like even the first episode we did of this podcast, you know, I just went back to yin and yang. Yeah. And even just reminding myself of that just means that, you know, when I go back in the clinic, I'll just be thinking, right, okay, so what are we looking at? Yeah. The basics, the foundations of everything That's come true. back to that. Yeah. And so, you know, keep it simple. And you don't have to work out in your first year what you want to specialize no. in. I decided that the one thing I really love, just because I find it so fascinating, is pulse diagnosis. Yes. So I've been reading loads and loads of books on pulse diagnosis. That's it. And I've done a CPD on pulse diagnosis. And the thing is, the more you delve into any area of Chinese medicine, from my limited experience, you're going to find yourself being frustrated and confused because of a lot of conflicting information yes. or different people having different interpretations of the same thing yeah. or different opinions and that can really throw you for a loop to start with but then you start to kind of have your own interpretation you might see that people are talking about slightly different contexts mm. of the same thing yeah. and um you just have to sit with stuff don't you You do you have to find where you're happy with your knowledge and your learning um and just keep building on that um i pick up books and i keep reading the same thing over and over um, which again is Chinese medicine for you, but um, I take different things from it each time I read it. Um, I don't know if it's just where my head's at at the time or, but um, just interpretations of the Su Wen. I love reading that because every time I look at it, it changes in my book. But uh, yeah, to get those foundations right, um, I think is the most important thing. I sat down, uh, I think during this lockdown, uh, it was a little ambitious of me, but I sat down with my unshelled copy of Sue yeah. N, which is broken down into two volumes with all of the notes and whatnot. And I went, right, chapter one. And I think I got through the first two, three chapters I before I went, oh, I can't do it this chapter way. Chapter one and chapter two <laughs> are my favorite. I just keep going back to them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I never get further. I've got to get further. I've got to start doing it sporadically and picking a chapter. <laughs> but you want to read it like a book, but I don't think you can. You do. I mean, I was going to suggest some sort of a, a book club kind of thing where you tackle a chapter of the Sue oh, every month, say, oh, great idea. which would be great. But then um, I thought that maybe people would dislike me intensely for suggesting something like that. <laughs> Chinese but, uh, book club. Love it. I'm in, Ben. Yeah, there we go. You're in. in. Okay, good. Signed up. <laughs> I'll have to set up a group for that. <laughs> Anyone listening interested, yeah, shoot absolutely. us an email. Okay, so final question, yeah. which I have to ask uh, just... Uh, which I didn't want to go into too much detail over, mm. but how has COVID-19 affected your practice? Well, understandably, I had to shut my doors back in March. Um, mm -hmm. It felt really weird. I've missed it so much. I've kept in touch with my patients as much as I can without annoying them. Again, it's finding that balance. Um, I've put, uh, because I still work for the ambulance service, I've upped my hours there. So I've been so busy uh, me and my husband have been opposite shifts almost. So we've had limit, very limited time to do much else. But when I can, I've been picking up books, reading books, um, acupuncture books. So when um, there's quite a few other books I like that I kind of reach for, but it's going to be a different story going back. Um, and again, it's the confidence has taken a bit of a knock and I've just got to get back in there. 
I've got to change my practice. It's it's going to be I've got to be flexible, and I want to help as many people as I end up, uh, as I can. But I I understand it's going to be very different. Um, our time with our patients is going to be very minimal. It's going to be 15, 20 minutes, and I'm going to have to leave the room. I'm a chatter. I love talking to my patients. Obviously, if they're up for it, if they're not, I leave them to it. But um, I'm going to find that really hard at first. It's going to be a new way to adapt to. But yeah, it's affected so many things and it's going to be around for a while yet. So we've had great guidance from the BACC about safe practice. It's just about putting that procedure into place and knowing it like the back of your hand. Um, That's kind of it's it's a bit new, um, but I'm sure I'll get there. I quite like that the um, the BXC have been so um, careful with their guidelines. Yeah. We all have different views on this, and I don't think anyone should be scolded for having the opposite no. view. We all go back to work when we feel it's right for us Absolutely. and we're being safe in our own ways mm-hmm. and whatnot. But for me, I feel that I resonate with erring on the side of caution. Absolutely. I felt that I closed my doors back on Friday 20th of March. Yeah. And I didn't open for urgent practice. It has to be a sort of a flexible thing where you just make a day-to-day decision on these things at the moment, particularly. Absolutely. And I think you've got to go with your gut. If you're at all worried about your vulnerable patients, it's going to be hard to say, I'm so sorry, I can't treat you. But I think that's, it's got to be your move. I think the patients sometimes could be so desperate that they'd try anything, but they're putting themselves at risks. And I don't want them to take that risk. So it's going to be tough to explain to some of my vulnerable patients that maybe we should leave it. But yeah, turning turning people away is a really uncomfortable thing. But mm, I guess this comes back to what I was saying about taking control of people's treatments yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I've had a lot of people contact me during this time. Um, and I've said no, you know, like last couple of weeks, particularly where I could have seen them under urgent care. And I've just said, no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not willing to do that at the moment. Just because I felt that I wasn't comfortable doing that. Yeah. I just didn't feel like I had enough information to make that decision within their best interests. Mm. And God knows we could all do with the money coming in, but I just yeah. didn't feel right about it. And so each to their own. Yeah, absolutely. I know other people mm. are a little bit more stuck and need to get back. And I totally appreciate that that's, you know, that's where they're at. So, But it's tricky with different guidelines. I know, for example, hairdressers, the recent guidelines I read, I think they have to have visors, but their uh, clients don't have to have masks. Mm. But then I think obviously we have to have FFP2 grade masks as a minimum. And then our patients can have the surgical basic masks or face coverings, which they call them, which always slightly irritates me. Yes. Um, And then with visors, if we're anywhere near their face, if we're doing tongue diagnosis, which I think I'm just going to skip for the moment. Mm. Let's see what I can do on Zoom. (laughs) See if I can see their tongues on Zoom. It's going to be a bit awkward. Yeah, it's a tricky one because I think we're all operating to the same guidelines, but different interpretations depending on who our regulatory body or our governing body That's is. It. So we can only do our best. Yeah. Well, Vicky, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, ben, it's been a I'm pleasure. so delighted you agreed to join me and answer all my questions and, and 12 months. Congratulations, 12 months in Thank practice. you. It doesn't feel like that. It's been an eventful first year and I've had ups and downs and I wish everyone luck starting out. Um, It is tough, but there's always other acupuncturists you can turn to and including myself. I'd Mm. never mind helping if I can. Good luck to everyone out there. Well, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you to Vicky Newman for joining me. If you'd like to learn more about Vicky and her Rottingdean-based clinic, Cherry Tree Acupuncture, check out cherrytreeacupuncture.co.uk. For questions about today's episode, do get in touch, podcast at acupuncture-westlondon.com. 
Finally, don't forget to check out the show notes at acupuncture-westlondon.com forward slash podcast. Here you can find more info on free trials and discounts for lots of clinic management solutions we've talked about in this episode. See you next time. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. To keep up to date with all of our upcoming episodes, sign up to our podcast newsletter. By doing so, you'll get your very own copy of my brand new ebook, Yin and Yang. Check out acupuncture-westlondon.com forward slash free ebook. See you next time.